Hi, this is James. Uh, we're going to do week six a little early this week. Um, I uh, discovered an old... Well, I, I kind of knew I had it, but it was kind of like out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> Basically, I, I've got an old older Android tablet that I realized that you know, I've got this Kindle Fire that I've been using, and it, it's good. And but I just wish the screen was bigger. And then I realized I got this nine-inch tablet that it's like, why am I not using this? So I, but I, I'm saying all that because I, I've got a couple commentaries on my Kindle, and then I've got a Bible on my Kindle, and it's sitting here in my lap, and um, so I, all I did is I basically went and got a ordered a case for it and it showed up today so it's really cool and uh, so might be a little bit of delay in between um, going from one source to another but let's just try this and see how it works we're covering uh, the Sermon on the Mount this is week six um, on the video I did verses 16 through 18 which talk about, um, I basically wanted to focus on the part of doing good deeds in secret and the fact that our lives, you know, what we do in private matters to God. I, I, would, say, I would even argue that it's even more important what we do in private than what we do in public because God wants us to be consistent in our walk. You know, God is going to use the Holy Spirit, and, and by the Holy Spirit, He's going to, to mold us and shape us and help us to become more like Jesus. One of the tools that God uses is the Scriptures. So we're supposed to, you know, do our reading in private. We're supposed to pray in private. We're supposed to fast in private. You know, we're not doing this stuff to show off. We're doing this stuff because we want to connect be connected with God. We want to learn more. And as the scriptures show us areas that we need to improve in, be humble and um, trust that, you know, as we start to improve in one area, God will show us something else and just go from there. So we're going to try to finish the chapter. I'm going to read verse 19 through 34 uh, this is the King James or the New King James Version it says do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where the where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also verse 22 the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, your, um, you cannot serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Verse 25, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. 
Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Uh, if you're not sure what that means, a cubit is equivalent to 18 inches. So it's like a foot and a half. Verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is to, today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, for, or what shall we wear? For after all these th- things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Verse 33, but Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Yeah, I think we can cover all of that. So, to tap in the corner, scroll down. Uh, the interesting thing is I actually found um, a commentary by Charles Spurgeon, which is really cool. Um, and I'm going to start there. Um He said, uh, Our king has taught us how to give to the needy, how to pray, and how to fast, and he will now tell us how to deal with the concerns of daily life. He would not have his servants seeking two goals and serving two masters. He calls them away from the anxieties of this life to a restful faith in God. So, you know, verse 19 deals with uh, giving and you know what you give you know, to your local church that's between you and God I'm not here to um, to ask for money um, I'm not doing this full time um, I'm very blessed that I have a day job that uh, I will not talk about here on this channel or on my videos. Um, but, you know, I will say this. Um, your giving, your primary giving, should be to your local church. Um, I also choose to give to um, Alpha and Omega Ministries um, Dr. White Dr. James White um, as a ministry where he travels and teaches and he's got uh, the internet show and he's trying to equip the saints which is what I believe Ephesians 4 tells us that leaders are supposed to do 
Um, so, that's that awful sound. It sounds like a car, like off, maybe next door or down, or down the street, but it's just this terrible sound. Hopefully, the microphone's not picking up any of it. Um, but I choose to support that ministry because I believe in what Dr. White is doing um, and because I've, I've learned a lot by reading his books and listening to his show. Um, and he, he talks about not laying up for yourselves treasures on earth. And this is where I have a real problem with some of the modern televangelists. Because I believe that that's exactly what they're doing. We are blessed. And there's nothing wrong with, with this. There's nothing inherently wrong with being rich. The problem is, is when you love money or love anything more than God, because then it becomes idolatry. God blesses you so you can be a blessing to other people. It's not about putting, um, you know, storing it all up and hoarding it for yourself. Uh, I believe we are expected to be generous and to be kind. Um, in fact, let's see what uh, Reverend Spurgeon had to say about this. He said, uh, Do not get, dedicate your life to gathering wealth. It would be demeaning to, to you as servants of the heavenly kingdom. If you accumulate either money or clothes, your treasures will be subject to moth and rust, and dishonest people may relieve you of both. Earthly things decay or may be taken from us. This is an excellent reason for not making them the great pursuit of our lives. Do not hoard, for thieves break in and steal. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where they will be destroyed. Instead, accumulate for eternity and send your treasures to the land where you are going. To live for the sake of growing riches, to live a life that will glitter on the outside, but is corrupt within. So that's um, spot on. I, I couldn't agree with that more. Um, of course, I, I read uh, Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer and... It says here... Ah, here it is, um, page 173. The disciple always looks only to his master, never to Christ and the law, Christ and religion, Christ and the world. He avoids all such notions like the plague. Only by following Christ alone can he preserve a single eye. His eye rests wholly on the light that comes from Christ and has no darkness or ambiguity in it. Um... He also said, The word is choked like the seed which was sown among thorns, choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And he references Luke 8, 14. 
Because if there's nothing wrong with having stuff, but I do believe that we are called to be good stewards of our finances. We are called to be good stewards of our time, treasure, and talents. And so, for example, uh, when I bought a newer car, or I should say new-to-me car, I'll admit I wanted something that was a little sporty. I wanted something that would be fun. Uh, I love to drive. It's one of my favorite things to do. But I bought a little Scion TC. It's 2010. I mean, this car's 10 years old. It's $12,000. It's got the same engine that's in a Toyota Camry. And, yeah, it handles great. Um... But I'm not riding around in some $100,000 Mercedes. I'm not riding around in some, you know. I, I saw um, one um, prominent minister bought his wife a $200,000 Lamborghini Urus. If you're not familiar with what the heck that thing is, it's... Lamborghini's version of an SUV. Um, now, granted, it it doesn't necessarily have a Lamborghini engine. In it. it borrowed a twin turbo, four point two liter V eight from from Audi. Because Audi and Lamborghini are both owned by VW, and. So it's basically a, it's basically an Audi R8 with more power, um, and you got the Lamborghini outside, the body, the interior's been kind of fancied up a little bit to make to make it a little bit more exotic looking. And, I mean, I mean, just practically speaking, and I don't want to bore you to talking about cars, but Audi makes an RS8 um, or is it RSQ8? I forgot the but they make pretty much the same exact SUV with the same engine that's detuned for a little less power for like 150,000 so it's like you could you could get the Audi version and save $50,000 and that just blows my mind away um heck you could get a Dodge Durango with that and I hate the name, but they call it the Hellcat engine. So it, it makes 710 horsepower. And the thing, it's like seventy dollars to $80,000. So it's like a third of the price of the Lamborghini. And it has more power. So... I just think 
spending that kind of money is is wasteful. Um, I don't agree with those uh, ministers who feel that they need to go out and get a, a jet a private jet I mean if you really needed to fly somewhere you could rent a jet if you really needed to get somewhere and you're concerned about privacy you could rent a jet I kind of agree with Dr. Michael Brown on this one and that if you're popular, if you're famous, bring a bodyguard with you and fly first class. And let your bodyguard person keep fans as they look, this is this is not the time or the place to ask for an autograph or you know, right now this person is is studying, is reading. It's, it's now it's not a good time. You know, you know, and that, and I, and I'll just, for the sake of famous athletes, famous singers, famous ministers, just because you see somebody doesn't mean they have time to talk or want to get, give you an autograph. They're human beings too. They deserve some privacy. You know. Now, if you walk up and you say, is now a good time? Do you have a second? And they say something like, F off. That's different. You know, but if you walk up to somebody that's famous and say, do you have a second? And they say, I'm, I'm really busy. Like, All right. Love your show. You know, and just walk on and and show that person that respect anyway that's what i hope to do what i've been praying about for a, a while and actually dr white's already doing it <laughs> he went out and got an rv cuz i think that's the way to go if you're going to travel the country and teach and just go get an RV. You don't need to um, get some humongous jet. It's just, you know, we have things here on the earth and we use them to uh, do what we're called to do in the ministry and, and in life in general. But we're not, you know... And we thank God for the things that he gives us, but it's not meant to be, you know, something we collect and gather up and try to hoard wealth. Wow, I didn't really mean to talk that much about this subject. Um, in, in Cost of Discipleship, he, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer does refer to hoarding as, as idolatry. Um, let me share this other quote because I think it talks about you know you know 
not worrying about food and clothing and stuff like that. On page 180 of Cost of Discipleship, he says this, Anxiety is the characteristic of the Gentiles, for they rely on their own strength and work instead of relying on God. They do not know that the Father knows that we have need of all these things, and so they try to do for themselves what they do not expect from God. Ultimately, the whole part about what we eat, what we drink, our clothes, it's about a question of are we really depending on God or not? Let's see here. Okay, good. I was charging my tablet while we were talking. <sighs> Praise God for the... I'm telling you, when you learn how to be content with what you've got, and you just ask God for wisdom, God will give you wisdom. And the fact that I had this 9-inch tablet, I complete, I literally forgot that I had it. It's it's funny. It's absolutely funny. And then all I had to do was just get a different case. And this sits up all by itself. This is just wonderful. Now this part about the eye being the lamp of the body, I really didn't understand this very well until I read this section that um, Charles Spurgeon talks about. He says... Um, Motive is the eye that guides the soul, and if it is healthy, then the whole character will be right. But if it is in darkness, then our whole, then our entire being will become impure. And I talked about this in the video, and I want to talk about it here again, because our motives are so important. I can't stress this enough. Um, Jesus constantly talked negative about the, the Gentiles because their motives for doing things were all wrong. He talks about them when they pray, you know, they pray to be heard and they want to they want the, the pomp and the circumstance and it's like you know, when we pray our the point is to we want to connect with God. We want to talk to our Creator. We want to talk to the one who reached down and said, I am choosing to save you out of the sinful muck and mire that you're in and pull you out of it. And it's like, And the the interesting thing, one of my favorite verses is in Psalm 100. Um, he says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. And I'm kind of going off on a tangent for a reason. Um, one of the things I do if I'm having a bad day is I'll just stop and start thanking God for what I have. Because when you do that, it gives you a much better perspective on your life. Now, I am very thankful for the job that I have. I'm very thankful to God that I have a, a godly woman as a fiance. I'm very great. I just look around this room. Uh, I've got an electronic tablet. I've got a, 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 a decent laptop. I've got 
heck, I've got this Android tablet here in my hand that I literally forgot that I had. Um, God has provided everything I need and then some. And so let me go back to the, the motive thing. Um, Spurgeon said, the eye of the understanding may also be what is meant. If someone does not see things in a right light, they may live in sin and yet imagine they are doing their duty. A person should live up to their light, but if that light is actually darkness, their entire life will be going in a mistaken direction. If our religion leads us to sin, it is no worse than no religion. If our faith is presumption, our zeal selfishness, our prayer formality, our hope a delusion, and our experience misguided, then the darkness is so great that even our Lord throws up his hands in astonishment and says, How great is the darkness! Oh, for a healthy eye to God's glory, a sincere dedication to the Lord. Only this can fill my soul with light. And of course it talks about, you know, you can't serve God in money. And here's our, our king here forbids dividing our loyalties. We cannot have two master passions. If we could, it would be impossible to serve both. Their aims would soon come into conflict and we would be forced to choose between them. God and the world will never agree. And however much we may attempt it, we will never be able to serve both. Our danger is in that trying to gain money or in the pursuit of any other goal, we would give it too high a priority and allow it to gain mastery over us. Gain and godliness cannot be, cannot both be ma master of our souls. We can serve two, but not, serve, but not two masters. You can live for this world or you may live for the next, but to live equally for both is impossible. Where God reigns, the lust for gain must be banished. And it just goes back to what I was talking about earlier. Stuff is never going to make you happy. I mean, you get that, you buy something and you get that kind of rush. It's like, yeah, wow, this is great. This is awesome. And then you get used to it and then you, you take it for granted. And then before long, you're looking for something new. Because what you really want is that experience of getting something new when we should be content with what we have. Now granted, with the t this tablet that I'm holding in my hand, all I really did was get a different case for it. That way I can pop open the back, there's a little kickstand, and I can set it down on the desk and I don't have to hold it and I can just sit here and read and swipe the screen and I can so that yeah and and I just for the sake of you know not having a gigantic bookshelf have switched most of my books over to Kindle um, but anyway, um, and we've already talked about, you know, as far as, you know, clothing and food and 
what that boils down to is just trusting in God. Actually, I haven't quoted here the uh, ultimate commentary. Might as well. Let's switch to that. Oh, I love this. Christ's language of search contrasting what the pagans run after with what his followers are to seek first introduces us to the subject of ambition. Jesus took for it for granted that all human beings are seekers. It is not natural for people to drift aimlessly through life. We need something to live for, something to give meaning to our existence, something to seek, something on which to set our hearts and our minds. Although few people today would use the language of ancient Greek philosophers, yet what we are seeking is, in fact, what they called the supreme good to which to dedicate our lives. Probably ambition is the best modern equivalent. True, in dictionary terms, it means a strong desire to achieve success, and therefore it often has a bad image, a selfish flavor. But ambition can equally refer to other strong desires, unselfish rather than selfish, godly rather than worldly. In a word, it is possible to be ambitious for God. Ambition concerns goals in life and our incentives for pursuing them. Our ambition is what makes us tick. It uncovers the mainspring of our actions, our secret inner motivation. This then is what Jesus was talking about when he defined what in the Christian counterculture we are to seek first. And that goes back to verse 33 where he said, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all this will be added to you as well. I do believe that God wants to take care of our daily needs, and I do believe God is going to bless us with things. Now, I didn't necessarily need a sporty car, but nobody could look at my $12,000 Scion TC and say that I am somehow being greedy when I've seen um a minister give his wife a $200,000 SUV. It's just, the difference should be kind of obvious. And that's uh, that's the end of chapter 6. Wow. We, um, I didn't plan on spending as much time as I did on those first couple verses, but that's okay. Um, the main thing is that uh, I think throughout chapter 6 Jesus does challenge us to look at our our inner motivation why are we doing the things that we are doing whether it's praying whether it's fasting whether it's giving um, why are we doing the things we are doing and why are we worrying about God providing for us if we trust that he's going to take care of us? So, that's a lot of material. Um, but it's really good stuff. And if you haven't read the Sermon on the Mount in a while, I would encourage you to do so. Anyway, thank you so much to the faithful few that have been listening. 
uh, have noticed a few more uh, a few more people have listened here recently and that's good and God willing the audience will grow and um, ultimately the podcast and the YouTube channel is all about encouraging people to be more and more like Jesus so it's not about me I am just a servant I am just another uh, brother in the Lord who is trying to walk out their faith and trying to live it out just like you are and uh, I'm no better than anybody who's listening to this I put my pants on one leg at a time just like everybody else so uh, I would cover your prayers Um, my life is about to radically change Uh, God has put a very godly woman in my life and in 39 days I'll be saying I do so Please keep me in your prayers. Please pray that this channel grows. And um, I just want to say I love you, especially to the faithful few. And uh, we'll be back next week. So hope you had a good Labor Day, and we'll see you then.